As I was praying about, okay, Lord, what do you want me to share on Wednesday, December the 3rd? I, I seriously spent, you're, you're going to be shocked when you say, that's all you had to say tonight? But I was like, hours, like, okay, about this. And then I'd write down some notes, and, oh, that's not it. And then, no, nah, no, nah, that's not it, you know. And, you know, those of you that sometimes share things here and there, you may go through that. What is it? And I really came back to the simplicity of the fact that in Psalms, written mostly by David, not entirely, and I'm not going to profess to be a biblical scholar and tell you which ones were and which ones weren't, all that sort of thing, but we know most of them were, but especially those that bring exuberant, extravagant praise unto the Lord, right? We see those from David. And so, as a family, something I'd like everybody to be thinking about, because I might around. Yeah, you. I might start up in the front row. Is if something strikes your heart that you feel, you know, of this, God's impressing upon me to just share this with the four or five people that are here. Actually, we got maybe twice that, but whatever. And it's going to be on the podcast, so it's going to be heard all around the world. So, Whatever it is that you have, make sure that you understand that literally billions of people could listen to what it is you have to share. So, don't be afraid if I give you the microphone, knowing that billions of people may be listening to you. But certainly the Lord himself is, right? And the heavenly hosts, right? We're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, aren't we? So, get it right. So, think about that. All right. Yeah, no pressure. David was a man after God's own heart, wasn't he? We know that. And I'm just going to, you know, it was written in Acts 13.22, and it comes uh, out of Samuel, where uh, it was written in there, and I'm just going to read this. You don't have to turn there. It was, he said, um, uh, it says, you've done a foolish thing, Samuel said to Saul. He said, you've not kept the command of the Lord, uh, the Lord your God gave you. If you had, he would have established your kingdom over Israel for all time, but now Your kingdom will not endure. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart and appointed him ruler over his people because you have not kept the Lord's command. David is a man after God's own heart. This was important to me as I was looking through these psalms of praise and worship to think, hmm, these are written, they're right smack dab in the middle of our Bible, aren't they? I don't know why it is it got set up that way, but there it is right in the middle. Here's this stuff, and there's a lot of things where David's crying out for, you know, being rescued from his enemies and such, and there's all kinds of things in the Psalms, but there's a lot of emphasis from what David is sharing about just exorbitant, unbridled worship to the Lord. And this is God's heart, isn't it? That's what God desires out of us. He doesn't want some half-hearted sort of thing. I understand there's times we're physically tired, you know, and maybe there's a lot of stuff going on and we can't be jumping around or anything like that. But I consider if the man that God selected, and it says here that Samuel professed that, that the Lord sought out a man after God's own heart. It didn't just kind of happen along. David didn't like try out, you know, like going to college and, you know, fill out an exam or something like that and get an entrance. But God looked around and that's who he found. He said, that's the guy. So here is the man after God's own heart sharing in the Psalms some examples that we ought to put deep in our hearts, I think. And that's why I'm asking about it. And I don't see anybody looking around except maybe Leroy. He's kind of going, yeah, I got something going on here. And, you know, everybody's got their little phones. So hopefully you're not texting each other, but you're just, you know, looking at 
I'm going to be able to share this. Okay. But you can do that, too, if you want. Are you busted? No, not you. You would never do that. <laughs> I won't say your name because it might be on the podcast. It'll go to billions of people. <laughs> okay. But you know what's also interesting to me is how Jesus is in the lineage of David, right? And so I think there's some significance to that, too, because we're talking about, you know, here's the man who's after God's own heart. He's the example. And then we follow down and we see Jesus. All right. So given the heart of God that was alive in David, then we see God's heart expressed in Psalms. So I'm going to just read from Psalm 95. I, I selected a few that stood out to me as I was just praying and reading and coming across some. And um, Jewel said, Dad, why are you bringing your work to the church tonight? Yeah, be careful. It's 38 pages. But we're not going to go through all of those. There's just, I had a lot of footnotes and things at the end that I... 18, you know, yeah, I just, you know, I just didn't want to lose my place. <laughs> good, good call from there. All right, Psalm 95. It says, come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. And I just want to stop right there for a moment because... I think that this and some other things we'll read reflect an expression of a component of what God desires, and that is an exuberant praise. I'm not saying that 24-7 we just go around jumping up and down and running down the street like a bunch of maniacs, you know, because they'll put you away. But I think that in God's heart, we're missing it if we allow ourselves to get to a place where we're satisfied with anything less than at times when God's moving to be wholeheartedly without reservation shouting unto the rock of our salvation, right? And extol, come before him with thanksgiving, extol him with music and, and song. And I mean, I confess, and maybe you've noticed, sometimes I get a little excited, you know? I mean, I, I kind of like the front row. It's not a show-off thing. So I got leg room here, you know? I mean, I can move around. Because, you know, I think that's necessary. And some of you folks like to come up sometimes. And you need to do that. It's okay. Sometimes if God is just really putting it on your heart to say, I love you, Lord. And I'm going to just show you. And the key is you're not showing somebody else, are you? I mean, other people see in the process, but that's not what you're all about, is it? God's moving and saying, you know, I'm just, I desire an exuberant, and yet intimate relationship with you. And our response ought to be the same unto him, shouldn't it? Instead of holding back saying, yeah, I know that's what you're asking me to do, but you know, I'm real comfortable right here in this chair, so I don't think I'm going to move anyplace. Well, guess what, Mr. Disobedient Person? Things aren't going to go well for you. God's going to squash you, but really, you want God's best? Then get on with what it is that God's calling you to do in whatever form that may be, and we'll get to another scripture on that in just a minute. But anyway, reading on from Psalm 95, it says, For the Lord is the great God, the King above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth, and the mountain peaks belong to him. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. You know what I like? Is David intersperses, if you kind of look at these things, he'll intersperse praise to God, you know, shout to God, and these exhortations. 
And then there'll be a passage about, and remember, this is how great he is. You know, you got to stop for a second. And he's reminding us about everything, you know, from the big to the small and the in-between, the peaks and the valleys and the bottoms of the seas and all that. I, in particular, like that. It's no secret that I love skiing. It's my passion other than, you know, God and family and all that. But it was something I enjoyed since I was just a little kid, you know, before I knew God. We were just kind of non-believers, and Sunday was for skiing, not going to church. But there's something indescribable to me about, and it must have been a God thing sort of planted in me, just how incredible some of these mountains are with the snow and the caps and the peaks and everything. And uh, anybody ever want to go, you just call me up, I'll take you. Okay, that's an open invitation. Just come skiing with me. I'll show you how wonderful it is. Okay, it's, it's a really great thing. Um, especially if you come with me. It says, come let us bow. So anyway, he starts with the praise. Then he goes to, and remember, this is all this great stuff, how we formed the peaks and the seas. And then going on to verse 6. Come let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he's God. And we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. We give ourselves wholly and completely unto him. We abandon ourselves, don't we? We kneel before God. Because he didn't call us just to sit there and just kind of say, God is good, you know? There's more to it. It says, today, if only you would hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in Meribah, as you did in the day of Massa in the wilderness where your ancestors tested me, and so forth. I don't need to read the rest of that one. Okay, so that was the end of that verse that I wanted to read. I wanted to go on to the next concept on my notes. So we look at relationship with God, and a component of it, I believe, that is at his heart is our willing to just kind of shed everything off in his presence, right? Praise him in whatever form he's calling us to. It's the same in relationships, in courtship. Um, And, you know, we, we know that, God designed us in his image and created a lot of the way we interact in similarity to the way that he's looking for us to interact with him, but truly with him on a more intimate and a higher level. But in a relationship with an individual, sometimes it starts off just sort of getting acquainted, and then when you really recognize, especially two people that ultimately become married, that it's God's plan and desire that you become one, that it goes from just kind of an appreciation to a courtship and such an abandonment to the individual that you're going to be with that um, the infatuation uh, and the love really doesn't have boundaries, so to speak. I mean, in a, in a God sense, it does. But in that component of relationship, I think that we, we know that if we're doing it right, we're not holding back something of ourselves. We want to give all of ourselves to the individual we're with, you know? We, we don't want to just make, a, make something reserved. And it's the same with God. And yet, in human relationships, it tends to go from that to backing off to where people become just a little bit more mundane, if you will, right? It just it happens. And yet, I believe that God didn't intend it to be that way. There may be a certain normalcy, if you will, as people are going on with life. But yet God desires in our relationships with one another, husband and wife and such, that 
there not be a, a, a backing off to where there's just a coldness and a complacency, but yet that happens and it shouldn't. But in God, it's the same way, you know? It happens and it shouldn't. And so part of what I just want to share tonight is wake up, you know? If in any part of your life you find yourself just kind of settling down, if you will, yeah, okay, well, God, it's Sunday, and if I go Wednesday, you know, I sure hope whoever shows up's got say, and maybe they'll have a little band for me. You know, that's all kind of neat. I like the band, thank you. But at all times, it ought to be something to where we don't abandon our first love. You know, and Revelation talks about how we've wandered away from our first love. And so if we get back to this notion that there's something that we ought to be pouring out of ourselves for the relationship that we have with our Lord, even in the midst of all the troubles, because we got troubles. Come on. You know? Everybody's shaking their head. Yeah. You, let me tell you about mine. Here, we'll pass the mic around. Good, no. <laughs> people got money problems, problems with the people at the office, the work, not my office. Everybody's cool at my office. But <laughs> it's true. It really is. I mean, it's just like miraculous. Um, with, huh? <laughs> And, and making commentary from the audience there, <laughs> saying that I may, may be deceived. <laughs> but I love living in my deception. I really do. It's just a great place to be. You know, they bring me warm coffee. Would you like coffee, Stuart? Sure. You know, it's just great. I love it. And then, well, I'm leaving. Okay, bye. Okay. Thank you. Nice seeing you today. This is great. <laughs> a good place. Uh-huh. But in God, he loves us so much, doesn't he? And in our relationships, I think that, and by the way, I've been admonished. I wasn't admonished tonight, but I'm always admonished uh, by Anne to not share stories about her and me, so I won't, because she, it's true. It's, can't go there, can't do it. But I will say this about even my own parents who weren't um, affectionate, openly, you know, no, I love you type. Literally, I don't remember my parents ever saying I love you. It's kind of weird, huh? Yeah. But yet they did. No, I'm serious. Never once. Even on my mom's deathbed, when I went to visit her and shared with her that I loved her, she said, I don't want to go there. Don't start talking about that stuff. Yeah. Okay. And, um, but I don't have to worry about her listening to this podcast right now anyway, so, you know, I can say that. (coughs) Um, But I will say this, that in their relationship, something that I saw that was formed in me was the fact that uh, my father, I don't remember him ever once having a harsh word to my mom, really. Um, And everything was complimentary. He didn't always like everything she did, and sometimes, you know, it's like things weren't going real well, and she was tweaked out about something, you know, well, Stewie, you know, that's just mother. Hello? Oh, good. I got worried. It's like, cut him off right now. Battery's dead. He's done. Um, I think that's a good thing, even though I didn't see the affection. I think that it was good that at least I, I, that was a good modeling. Uh, And in our own lives, we ought to model that sort of thing. Now, I know I'm getting sort of far afield. Anyway, um, but that was good. And in life, we recognize amongst ourselves that there's times when we have like ceremonies when people get awards and appreciations and stuff you know when little kids get something you know at school you know a little award ceremony and stuff 
really, you think about it, that's like a praise thing, isn't it? It's really acknowledging them, and what do they receive from it? It's incredible what these little kids get out of it. From the time you're a little kid, you know, and you, you get the little sticker because, you know, you didn't have any sick days in the third grade or something like that. Um, and I think that's a good thing. And I think that, you know, our nature, which is God's nature, appreciates recognition. And I, want, I don't know if that's called adoration, but it really is an acknowledgement of something good. And so in the same manner that we are formed in God's image, God loves it when we recognize, honor, and appreciate him, right? And I mean, let's face it, even be fast, past the little kids, you get up in these award ceremonies, you know, for whatever, the music things or Academy Awards, all that kind of stuff, and they still give awards to people when they're like 95, you know, as the best long-acting person ever, you know, and they get a warm fuzzy, and we all love it. But it's still giving an honor and a recognition and appreciation. Well, you know, still here, yeah. Um, I remember one time talking to somebody who I won't name in case he ever listens to the podcast, my brother Gordon, and he was telling me when he was, <laughs> he won't listen to it, um, he was telling me when I was trying to minister Jesus to him, because as far as I know, he's still like out there, like Zen Buddhism, kind of weirdness, whatever. But I kind of used to beat him up over the head sometime. And he would say, yeah, well, you know, kind of a god is it that would just want to be worshipped and honored all the time, you know, and you just got to worship him, you know. It's kind of like a selfish god, you know. That was his understanding or perception of it. But if we know the Lord, we know that he loves praise. He loves it when we are open with him. And that's what he's calling us to do at all times. So, anyway, I wanted to sh kind of share that. And so how much more is God, uh, who is infinitely praiseworthy, worthy of the praise and fellowship of us whom he created? Turn to, well, you don't have to turn to, I can just read Psalm 147. It says, how good it is to sing praises to our God. How pleasant and fitting to praise him. The Lord builds up Jerusalem. He gathers the exiles of Israel. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. Oh, by the way, see, this, he does this again. He starts with, praise the Lord, good to sing praises, how pleasant and fitting to praise him. And then he goes back to give us reminders of the things that God has done. It's almost like a testimony, isn't it, you know? We're encouraged by the words of our testimony. We're encouraged by the words of the testimonies in the scripture brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. He determines the numbers of the stars and calls them each by name. Mm. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. You know, I hearken back to, uh, again, in my youth when I was unsaved, I loved laying in the backyard on a summer night and looking up at the stars. Didn't you do that? Yeah. Oh, especially in the mountains. Yeah. Oh, Aren't those the best? Meteor showers. Yeah. In August at the high country. Seriously. You mean God loves you. <laughs> wow. Go God. That's pretty cool. <laughs> Go Richard. You'd never know he was such a suave guy by looking at him, would you? <laughs> He's a good man. And our God is a good God. That he creates those things for us. And, you know, hope picking up on that. You know, I look back and I, 
This is how it says, you know, in, in, the, handy, in, in the stars, his handy works, I see that song that you sing, you know, I won't sing it, but um, he shares the reality of his existence, even with the unbelievers. He really does. You know, and as a non-believer, yeah, I enjoyed the skiing and all that, and I remember the summers in the high country. You know, I'd go backpacking with my friends, and uh, I'll always remember the summer of 19... What was it? 1972. We were backpacking at Vogelsang in, yeah, in Yosemite, and we were up camping at 11,000 feet under a full moon. And that moon was so bright that you could. I, we didn't use tents. I don't like using tents. So you're out there at 11,000 feet, you know, and, and out under the stars, and the moon was so bright because of the high altitude. It was like the sun. You couldn't sleep. I had to pull up, you know, the sleeping bag over my head because it was, and you'd get up in the middle of the night, you know, if you needed to wander around or something, and you didn't need a flashlight. You didn't. And, and I'd just think about that, you know, stand there, you know, staring up at the stars. And, and never, I, I think even the most hardened atheist can't sit there and, and go, wow, isn't that a coincidence, you know, that all these stars are here. Isn't that, isn't that something? What a coincidence, you know, that these are just kind of here. It's art, it's art history. It's God's artistry that causes, I think, even the non-believers to be pricked someplace. And I think in my own life that that's a reality, that I know that I was going through life even as a non-believer with a recognition that, wow, this is pretty amazing, isn't it? Yeah, that this is all created like this, and there's such an incredible beauty. If you only stop to take a moment to appreciate it, so it says, he determines the number of the stars and calls them each by name. Great is our Lord and mighty in power. His understanding has no limit. The Lord sustains the humble but casts the wicked to the ground. He goes on to say, sing to the Lord with grateful praise. Make music to our God on the harp. I don't know where some churches come up with the idea they can't have music in the church. I never could figure that thing out. I don't even want to even try to figure it out. It doesn't make any sense, and it certainly doesn't comply with the way I read the Bible. So we make music to our God on the harp and on the electric guitar. He covers the sky with clouds. We can have a New American updated Fresno 2014 version. He supplies the earth with rain. Amen. Got that one right today. Hallelujah to that, huh? He makes grass grow on the hills and provides food for the cattle and for the young ravens when they call. So he's going on to, you know, express some of the, th the attributes of God, and then he goes back again. Extol the Lord, Jerusalem. Praise your God, Zion. And then uh, he goes on again to, um, through the rest of that psalm, to talk about so many of the wonderful things of the Lord, and then finishes it with praise the Lord. So... You know, I look at all these and I come back to the principle that when we come before God, a component of that relationship ought to be just a wholehearted abandonment. And so then I, you know, refer to, and it's not in Psalm, but the example of David bringing the ark into Jerusalem. And, and uh, you don't have to go there, but in Second Samuel chapter 6, it's something that you know of. But it says, now, King David was told... The Lord has blessed the household of Obed-Edom and everything he has because of the Ark of God. So David went to bring up the Ark of God 
from the house of Elodim to the city of David with rejoicing. And when those who were carrying the ark had fallen and so on, and, uh, well, I'll keep reading. Carrying the ark uh, had taken six steps. He sacrificed a bull and a fatted calf. Isn't that amazing? Six steps and a sacrifice. Wow, that takes a while, doesn't it? Six steps and a sacrifice. Wearing the linen ephod, David was dancing before the Lord with all his might, while he and all Israel were bringing up the ark of the Lord with shouts and the sound of trumpets. Isn't that amazing? King David. I know I'm not telling you anything you haven't read before, but I think in the context of Psalms, it's a good idea to come back there. Say, here's the dude who wrote this stuff, and this is the way he knew to worship God. Total abandon, you know? Now, if somebody comes dancing in an ephod up the aisle, I think myself and some of the other elders might have to take you aside and have a word about that. But no, ephod, I don't know. Not a good idea. <laughs> but that was a God thing, wasn't it? In that case, that was what God put on his heart, and he was obedient to what he knew God was calling him to do, right? I don't think that was anything just concocted out of his show of things, was it? It was something that he knew. It, he was acting on the spirit of God working within him. As the ark of the Lord was entering the city of David, Michal, how do you pronounce that? Michal? No, it's not Michael. I looked it up. It wasn't Michael. They go, Michal. Okay? Daughter of Saul watched from a window. And when she saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, I was going to get it where they, you know, they play the little pronunciation, but that's usually like a computer sound. But really, I, did. I, I knew I was going to read this tonight, so I wanted to make sure I read it right. And that's what it said. It, it says you have to go to sound. And when she saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, she despised him in her heart. They brought the ark of the Lord and set it in its place inside the tent that David had pitched for it. And David sacrificed burnt offerings and fellowship offerings before the Lord. After he had finished sacrificing the burnt offerings and fellowship offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord Almighty. Then he gave a loaf of bread and a cake of dates and a cake of raisins to each person in the whole crowd of Israelites, both men and women, and all the people went to their home. When David returned home to bless his household, Michal, daughter of Saul, came out to meet him and said, how the king of Israel has distinguished himself today, going around half-naked in full view of the slave girls and his servants as any vulgar fellow would. David said to his wife, Michal, it was before the Lord who chose me rather than your father or anyone from his house when he anointed me ruler over the Lord's people Israel. I will celebrate before the Lord, right? If God moves on you to celebrate before the Lord, right, let it go. You know, I'm serious. I love it. I remember when we were at, um, what was that church over there down on First Street? Bethel Temple. Yeah. I, there was one time when we were relatively new there in the church, but it was just the move of God, you know. And um, I just felt impressed of the Lord. They had some banners and stuff to get up there and get a banner and start waving it around up on the stage in front of people and let them in a J-E-S-U-S. -S. Give me a J, give me an E. I know, it's like, really, you did that? I did, seriously. There was a bunch of people there, you know, but it was just God, and it was just, we do those things. I think it was in order, and I think even in, in our midst, in our congregation, there's times, aren't there, when God is so 
desirous of our laying down the barriers and the barricades and everything that comes between us to say, I want all of you. And in the case of David, you know, um, he celebrated before the Lord. And he says, I will become even more undignified than this. <laughs> That's what he told Michal. I'll become more undignified than this. And I will be humiliated in my own eyes. But these slave girls you spoke of, I will be held in honor. They knew that what he was doing was of God, right? And Michal, daughter of Saul, had no children to the day of her death. Wow. That's pretty heavy, isn't it? You watch out when you say, oh, that person's getting a little too crazy over there. You know, maybe they're doing what God has called them to do. I was listening to um, the radio on my way to the gym this morning. Um, and between 5 and 5.30, there's, I think it's the focus on the family or whatever is that minute. Is that the one that's on? You're up at that hour too, I guess, yeah. And so there's this fellow sharing his testimony. Obviously, it was a recording from a church service or something. And um, anyway, he was sharing some stuff about his background and how he'd gotten saved and everything. And, uh, and at the end of it, then they talked, then the little recording part was done, and so the announcer people were talking about what a great testimony this fellow had. It was Lecrae, the rap guy, right? And I don't like everything that I hear from him, but there's a lot there, and it's a different form, isn't it? It's a different manner of worship. It's not everybody's cup of tea. Anybody ever listen to Lecrae? Yeah? Some people like Le Who? Yeah. No. Check it out. Go on Google. You can see some. This guy is legit. I mean, he was a rapper and doing the wrong thing for all the wrong reasons, and he got saved. And you listen to his testimony that he was sharing. Whoa. You know, he has really got it going on. And, um, and so I appreciated that. Well, the point being that there's different ways that we bring our praise to God, and, and that's how God's moved on him to bring it, and it does move on people.